Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule. After watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there, and it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After Purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five-question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that, your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Now, with respect to QuickBooks Online, QBO does not have that kind of same automated procedure for voiding checks in those prior period. Uh, however, I do have a sequence that you can go ahead and choose to use uh, with respect to this, um, this action. And it, frankly, it's just basically doing a summary uh, journal entry. Uh, what you would want to end up doing here is just come on into your plus menu for new. You'd go ahead and select check. And let's just go grab a check here. Okay, so here's for Jeff Hicks, Hicks Hardware. This check is for $228.75. Okay, and then what we'd want to come down here is come down over here to more and choose this transaction journal. Okay, and this is going to show us essentially for this particular transaction, how this journal entry applies. Okay, and you can see the summary debit and credit transactions. What you would want to do here is then create a summary um, journal entry, input the date that you would want to see that particular transaction reversed and apply it to that particular period of time. But, you know, it's essentially just creating a reversing entry uh, where QuickBooks Desktop will do that for you automatically. QuickBooks Online will require you to write that journal entry and then be able to um, post it. So unfortunately, 
you just got to step it. But the summary journal report will at least tell you how that check, you know, in this particular case is applied and then what your journal entry should be. Let's talk about bounce checks. Okay, a feature that was added in Q, uh, QuickBooks 2014 was the Record Bounce Checks tools. Uh, what this is, is a routine that automates the process from an accounting for a customer check that failed to clear the bank. And so to access this, what we would end up doing is we were gonna end up going into our customer section and then we're gonna go ahead and choose Receive Payments. Okay, and we're gonna come on over here and we're gonna go ahead and select receive payments. All right, and so we need to go to a payment that included a check here. And you should be aware that in the navigation up top, you'll see this option here that says recorded bounced check, okay? So if you click that record bounce check button, this is gonna go ahead and display the manage bounce checks window. And then from here, you can fill in the relevant sections, including things such as uh, whatever bank fees were charged. You can uh, record the expense of class, uh, the account code, and then if you wanted to associate any particular sort of fee with this particular uh, customer. And what this is gonna end up doing is it will mark the invoice as being unpaid, it will post the appropriate charges to the correct account and then also charge the customer the appropriate uh, fee, okay? So let's just say, for example, the bank charged us an, you know, a return check fee of $30. We can go ahead and put in the appropriate date here. Uh, the expense account, it's gonna figure out that it's probably your bank service account here. We could put in a class as needed and if we wanted to, we can go ahead and charge a customer fee. Now, I personally think at least 40 bucks if we had to pay a fee of 30, we're absolutely gonna pass that back to the customer and then uh, plus um, you know, 10 bucks for our hassle. We'll go ahead and click next here. It'll give us a little summary of what occurred. So it's gonna go ahead and show us here that um, invoice 1084 is now unpaid, 1091 is now unpaid, and it will go ahead and show us um, how those fees are applied. You know, So it's gonna go ahead and pull it out of the checking, and then it's gonna go ahead and create an invoice for that customer for $40 for those appropriate uh, fees. So we're gonna go ahead and click finish here. It's gonna give us a nice red bounce check, uh, which hopefully, you know, um, uh, you'll remember when you go to deal with that customer again, and you'll see that, that, uh, those invoices appropriately are unmarked, um, are marked as unpaid inside of QuickBooks. And, um, you know, then you probably want to follow up with the customer and get your money. So kind of a useful fee, a uh, useful tool that has been added. Uh, unfortunately there is no equivalent inside of QuickBooks online for this exact, uh, exact need. Um, but what you can end up doing is pretty much the exact same thing. Unfortunately, again, a little bit manual. All right, let's go ahead and go through um, the next section, which is gonna be automating clerical tasks inside of both QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online. Uh, now, probably one of the best things that you could possibly do is invest in automation. For so many different reasons, uh, automation is something that can, uh, you know, it's frankly save you a lot of time and a lot of effort um, that, uh, that, um, in your day-to-day -day life, you know, and QuickBooks has a number of automations set up inside of it. QuickBooks online actually has even more that are set up inside of it. And frankly, that's why generally I prefer QuickBooks online to desktop. Um, additionally, you know, the cloud access and the security and, you know, all the other reasons that go along with it as well. But, um, I would tell you that, uh, you know, kind of in, in learning how to leverage, for example, memorized transactions or bank feeds, I mean, they could just save you a tremendous amount of time. Okay. So in QuickBooks, you could perform uh, what are called memorized transactions and QuickBooks can memorize pretty much all transactions except a couple of specific types. You can't, for example, record receipts or deposits. Uh, why? Because they always roughly vary. Uh, same with bill payments. Again, they kind of always vary. Paychecks, time records, sales tax payments, and payroll adjustments, year-to-date payroll adjustments. But other than that, invoices, expenses, um, you can go ahead and you can, you can memorize those transactions, which will essentially give you a template for future transactions that you can choose to use uh, in the future. 
And it's super simple to be able to access, to memorize transaction. Uh, basically, you just hit Control M, it's gonna pop up the memorize window, and then you can go ahead and uh, memorize that transaction and then recall it into the future. So uh, when you're in a, a specific transaction, you can even set it up so that it can be added to what's called your reminders list, which will give you a little screen showing you your upcoming um, transactions that you should use. Uh, you can set it not to remind you. You can set it to completely be 100% automated where it'll just go straight into the accounting system. And you can also specify the schedule and frequency, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, uh, how many times it should be done. So if it's something like an interest payment and you've got uh, you know, like a, like a five-year note and it's 60 times and then it'll just be done, you can go ahead and you can, you can put that in as well. Okay. And once you've memorized that transaction, it's just going to continue to follow the schedule of whatever you've set. And it will programmatically apply to the accounting system on the schedule that you choose to, um, to put in. Okay. So let's say, for example, I wanted to go and I want to memorize a invoice that I'm going to be sending to my customer repeatedly. So we'll come on over here and we're going to go ahead and select customers and let's go ahead and select create invoice. Okay, and for this, we're gonna go ahead and invoice Christy here, okay? And let's just come on over and I send Christy the same invoice every single month for, let's just say general labor services, okay? And we'll just call this one monthly, um, monthly, uh, monthly professional service. Okay, and we do one and let's say it's 500 bucks. Okay, there we go. Alrighty, so now if we wanted to be able to go to memorize this transaction, we can come up here and we can choose this memorize button right up in the navigation. Uh, so we can go ahead and select this and this is gonna go ahead and give us the option to be able to memorize this. Now you can give it a name. By default, when you're doing something like a customer, it's gonna show the customer name, or if it were, for example, a vendor, it would show you the vendor name here. Uh, personally, I've always found that not to be super useful. Um, you might wanna include, for example, Christy's name here, but like, you know, you might have multiple things that you're billing Christy for on a regular basis. So uh, I would recommend that, for example, you just summarize this. You could just say like monthly bill, you know? So. Let's go ahead and do something like this. I like um like that. Something something that's gonna make it memorable to you. Okay. If it were depreciation, like if let's say you're doing a journal entry, it's depreciation, amortization, something of that nature, you know, and, and you might have multiple depreciation entries. And you might want to memorize like one for equipment, one for your vehicles, one for, you know, something else, um, your, your plant, you know, as an example, you could have depreciation property or de depreciation, uh, equipment, depreciation vehicles. And, uh, that would just allow you to quickly and easily be able to memorize this. Okay. Now, if I don't want this to happen automatically, I can just add it to my reminders list. And, uh, when we go ahead and we put something into that reminders list, uh, it just basically remembers that that particular transaction needs to be done. And then it will uh, just basically give us uh, kind of a task list that we need to be doing on a, uh, on a particular basis. Alternatively, we can just say, don't remind me, this will memorize the transaction. We can pull it up at any particular point in time. Uh, we can also automate this. So we can say, for example, in this particular case occur, let's say monthly, I want the first one to be on January 1st, 2024. And we can just have this perpetually ongoing, you know, and if we wanted to, we can say, Hey, maybe I personally recommend with respect to recurring transactions myself, I don't let these just happen perpetually. I always put a end date on, on my transactions, mostly so I can be able to know that just don't continue forever. Uh, and so I usually almost always set these to expire to the end of the year. And um, then I'll review them at the end of the year to make sure that they're still accurate. Okay. So in this particular case, we're going to go ahead and say this is monthly. We're going to go ahead and tell it to do this. I'm going to tell it to go 12 times in the future for the coming year. And then I'll review it at the end of the period. And we'll go ahead and hit okay. Okay. And then we're going to go ahead and select save and close. And so now it's memorized that particular transaction and that particular transaction is available to us at any point in time. We can access our memorized transactions by accessing our lists. 
So that's going to be over here under our lists. And if we come down, you'll see there is a option uh, for memorized transactions. You can access through the shortcut control T. This will go ahead and it will show us our different memorized transactions that we have uh, done. Let's say, for example, we do some extra work for Christy here and we want to send her a special bill for the exact same period of time. Maybe we're going to go ahead and do this more than once. Well, we can go to our memorized transactions list and just pop it up this way and then be able to access that transaction uh, straight away. Okay. Or if it's something that we are doing uh, ad hoc, again, maybe it's depreciation, amortization, and we want to have the flexibility of uh, kind of maybe having a preset journal entry. Okay. Let's go take a look at how we might do this for a journal entry here. So company, make general journal entries and um, like depreciation expense and accumulated depreciation. There we go. Okay. We're going to say uh, fiscal year ended and... I'm just going to go ahead and put 20 like this. Oops. Okay. All righty. And let's go ahead and memorize this transaction. We're going to say depreciation equipment. Okay. I'm going to say, don't remind me. I'm going to go ahead and just select. Okay. Okay. And now I've got a kind of like a template set up here for my depreciation expense. And so I can click this and I've even got my accounts that are set up here and then like a little memo. And I usually put 20 like that and then I can go ahead and put, you know, 22 as an example and then I can write out whatever it's supposed to be. But I've got a nice little template that's set up here that I can choose, um, you know, just basically to pull like kind of a set preset number of transactions in um, that are already kind of set up and established. Okay, so down here, you've got this little button that says Memorize Transactions. This is where you're going to go ahead and you can edit a particular transaction. So if you wanted to come in and modify the particular schedule that's set up here. And so maybe if I do want to move this from automated to not being automated or vice versa, or just how many times, for example, Christy uh, should be billed, we can go ahead and we can update this here. You can also access it right-clicking this as well. Uh, we can also set what are called Memorized um groups and with respect to the groups on this it's just a way of being able to organize this so if you happen to have uh groups of transactions you know um that need to occur together uh you know for example like maybe you're processing all of your depreciation together a group can be really helpful when you're posting multiple transactions on that same day so rent payment insurance payment phone bill lease payment all fall on the same day you save them as a group and then you can process them all simultaneously together rather than individually. 1231 rolls around, you need to record your depreciation expense. Again, you can record them all simultaneously uh, in here. Okay. And I've got all types of memorized transactions, payments, invoices, uh, journal entries, and more. I've got um, um, different things that I've set up here, you know, basically, so I just don't have to rekey them every single time. For my company, um, for our professional services side of our firm, I mean, 99% of the work that we're doing is the same work month in, month out. Uh, so, you know, really, frankly, just memorizing these transactions just save a tremendous amount of time, you know, and so that's generally what I personally uh, recommend that you do. Okay. And um, it's just, frankly, it's going to save you a lot of time is, is kind of my uh, recommendation. Now, let's come on over here to QuickBooks Online. With respect to QuickBooks Online, it has the same functionality, but it's not called the same thing. Okay. Uh, they call it recurring transactions. Okay. And recurring transactions are going to occur up here in this little, uh, uh, wheel, little settings gear, and it's going to be under your list settings. And this is where you're going to see those recurring transactions that, that are set up. Uh, and with respect to these recurring transactions, uh, pretty much the exact same thing. You know, there's really not a lot to add here. Uh, in terms of how this functions. I personally think this works a little bit better than QuickBooks Desktop. And with one additional big caveat is that with QuickBooks Online, it, it's online. So it has the ability to be able to access and do things through the internet that you can't do through desktop. Desktop um, requires you to have the application open and requires you to be interacting with the application. But with online, I mean, it'll just run and operate, you know, perpetually. Uh, so for example here, let's come and create a invoice. So we're going to come up here to new and we're going to go ahead and select invoice. Okay. And let's do the same type of thing. Let's just say we're going to invoice somebody monthly for work that we're going to do. And so let's say it's uh this is Craig's landscaping design. So let's say 
you know, we do the gardening here for Bill's Winds Wind Surf Shop. Okay. Notice we've got our customer email listed here. Uh, we're going to come down here and select. Okay. Let's go ahead and select maintenance and repair. Monthly landscaping. Okay. And let's say we bill him um, 250 bucks per month. It's a commercial thing. Okay. Alrighty. So what we're going to choose here is this option right down the bottom that says make recurring. Okay. And so when we select this it actually just um, brings down a hidden little like header section. And this is where we can go ahead and we can set the, the recurring uh, nature of this particular transaction. So the same thing, in this case, it just picks Bill's Windsurf wind shop as our template name. Uh, we might want to go ahead and select, for example, monthly service. Okay. We're going to go ahead and say this is okay. And there's three options scheduled. The transaction will occur automatically. Reminder, it will not occur automatically, but it'll remind us to do that transaction or unscheduled where it'll just memorize that transaction. Then we can grab it when we need to. Uh, I generally do journal entries for the most part is unscheduled. So I can just go grab them when I need them. Um, but like invoices, something like this, I would choose as scheduled. This next option here, that says create X number of days in advance. If this is a monthly invoice, um, you could say zero and basically whatever invoice date that we select down here, the interval first day of the month, it's going to create that at like 1201 and it will be in your system. Now, personally for myself, uh, I like to see the invoice, you know, before it actually goes out, even if it's going to go out automatically, I will say, you know, for example, create three days in advance. And so it will create that invoice. I'll see it inside of my customer listing as open invoices there. And if I want to go in and modify it, I can go ahead and do so. Um, it's just really kind of up to you. If you don't care and you just want to basically send this bad boy out, put this zero, 12, you know, the, the period, uh, correct period date rolls around, it's going to go ahead and send that transaction out automatically for you. But if you want to see it so that you can remember that that transactions, you can tell it to create X number of days in advance. Okay. So we can see here, it's specified the customer. We can see the customer's email. We can specify CC and BCC and this little checkbox is why I prefer QBO for mem uh, for uh, recurring transactions compared to QuickBooks desktops, uh, memorized transactions solely for the invoicing perspective here. If I select this, it's going to go ahead and create this invoice, and then it's going to go ahead and uh, send this straight away. It's going to go ahead and send this out and I won't even see it go out. It'll, our, it'll just basically get sent. I don't have to think about it again. And it's a great way of, um, uh, you know, kind of really speeding up your AR. Let's say we can spend the, select the interval monthly, um, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. We can specify the date. And uh, I like this because it's a little bit more um, granular. And um, you could set this so that it's not, for example, like the first day of the month. And then if you come down here, you'll actually see the last day. So it automatically will account for like days with 28 days, days with 30 days, 31 days. I like that. And that's one of the cool features here with respect to it just knows the calendar. And just like before, you can specify a start date and you can also specify like when this transaction. So you can give it a date or you can say to occur X number of times into the future. I would tell you the transactions and stuff that you're doing on a regular basis, if they're journal entries, if they're bills, if they're invoices, you know, your rent payment, your lease payment, your mortgage payment, your depreciation, um, automate them. You know, just go ahead and memorize those transactions if they're in desktop or save them as recurring transactions if they're in uh, QuickBooks Online. And then you never really have to kind of think about them again. And in this next section, I want to talk about uh, one of my absolute favorite things, both in QuickBooks Desktop as well as QuickBooks Online. Uh, but it is way more powerful in QuickBooks Online than it is in desktop, which are going to be bank feeds. Now, bank feeds, if you're not familiar with them, are the ability for the accounting system to be able to automatically pull down transactions directly from your bank. Okay. And in both QuickBooks and online, it really will create a secure uh, automated connection out to your financial institutions and will pull down those transactions regularly into QBO. And it is super efficient and it's secure and frankly, a lot less painful of a reconciliation process and a lot less data entry than the prior way of doing this. Okay. Um, 
And I mean, frankly, in today's environment, you should be doing this. 90, I'm going to say, at least for my life, 99% of my transactions are digital to begin with. Um, you know, uh, in my wallet, I think I probably have the same money that's in here today. It was probably in here about a month ago. I, I personally do not use a lot of hard currency. Almost everything I do is through some sort of bank card, whether it be um, nine times out of a 10 of it's a credit card. Uh, I do occasionally use a debit card uh, to access certain funds and certain accounts, but either way, it's occurring somewhere in a um, electronic transaction. And I'm willing to bet for a lot of you, it's the same too. I mean, nine times out of 10, your employees are being paid by EFT, ACH. Um, you know, I, I know there are certainly things like in hospitality and in certain construction industries, they are paid with a physical check. I get that, you know, but a lot of us use direct deposit. I mean, a lot of us are paying our bills online. So why manually put transactions into the accounting system? I, it just frankly just doesn't make sense anymore. And so with these bank feeds, you can point this to your different financial institutions. So you can point it to Wells Fargo, Bank of America, your credit union, American Express, PayPal, Venmo. You can pull down those transactions automatically into QuickBooks. And then you can categorize those transactions through different protocols. You could specify, for example, um, you know, the classes, the locations, if you happen to be using either of those different functions. And you can also set up what are called bank rules, which can automatically categorize those transactions into the uh, future. Okay. Now, there are three different types of bank feeds. There's classic, express, and advanced. You can switch between these different modes uh, through the company preferences section. Uh, in the classic mode, QuickBooks uses the account register to match transactions. In the express mode, it uses the transactions window to match transaction. In the advanced mode, uh, it gives you just a lot more flexibility and control over what transactions are, um, are matched. Okay, you can have multiple bank accounts that are set up. Uh, so if you happen to have accounts in several different institutions, you can quickly and easily be able to um, map all of those different transactions to those different accounts. Now, let me talk broadly, um, a couple of things in QuickBooks Desktop, and then I'm actually going to demonstrate this in QuickBooks Online. They work very similarly, but QuickBooks Online, frankly, is a better experience. So I'm going to show you in there. Um, but... What I want you to know first, in order to be able to use this, uh, first and foremost, you got to go over here to your list, chart of accounts, and then you need to set up the appropriate accounts that you want to pull down these uh, bank feeds for. So um, bank feeds work for bank accounts and they work for credit cards. So if you have an American Express card, it can pull down there. If you have a Visa card with Chase or with Wells Fargo, it can pull down there. It will not connect to, for example, something like... Um, you know, your sales tax payable account. It's not going to work there. So it has to be, uh, you know, some sort of account where there is a digital uh, transaction associated with it. Okay. So first and foremost, you're going to go ahead and set up your account type. If we come into an account, into our listing here inside of QuickBooks Desktop, uh, you'll see you have this column with a little lightning bolt next to it. And while the drawing itself is quite crude, that indicates that that account is connected to some sort of bank feed. And so we can see here that our checking account, our savings account, and then down here, our credit account are all uh, hooked up. You can actually right click on this. You can go ahead and select edit account. Okay. You can review, review um, the actual account settings itself. And you'll notice there is another tab, bank feed settings. And this is going to be where you can see how this particular account is set up. If you ever run into any sort of issues with respect to uh, getting your bank feed to work correctly, um, and this has happened to me more than one time where, you know, transactions get screwy, bank credentials get messed up. Occasionally, you might need to come in here and deactivate and reset up the account. Um, this is going to be where you can, for example, just turn that off. Uh, the cool thing is, is, is that with respect to um, this, is that if you happen to deactivate it, when you bring it back up, one of the screens that'll pop up, it'll tell you, okay, great. When do you want me to bring these transactions in? And you just want to specify a date after your last transaction, you know? So typically what I would end up doing if I ever had to remove online banking, and I've had to do it more than once, again, usually because of some issue with the bank, not really QuickBooks. Um, I'll just look and see, okay, my GL, for example, uh, my transactions are as of, uh, you know, uh, August 17th. 
And then I'll just basically tell the online banking, okay, August 17th was the last date I had transactions, only pull stuff after that date. So I don't du duplicate uh, transactions in my system already. Okay. But this is going to be where you can go ahead and modify those um, accounts. And you're going to want to set up your chart of accounts correctly first, get them all set up, and then bring in your online banking. Okay. So from your banking to access the bank feeds, come over here to banking, bank feeds, and then go ahead and select your bank feed center. And uh, from here, this is where you can then see those three connected accounts. Okay. You could also add your accounts too. Okay. This is a sample file, so I can't show you that, what it looks like. Uh, and once you're actually in this particular screen, this is going to be where you're going to go ahead and download those transactions. And um, it will go and connect that financial institution and pull down those transactions automatically uh, for you. Okay. Now, there's also this thing called bank rules. Bank rules are pretty nifty. What this does is it will apply logic to the specific uh, transactions that have been downloaded and properly categorize them for you. And, uh, you know, so for example, if it has XYZ words, follow XYZ actions in terms of, um, you know, putting it to a specific chart of account or to uh, put it to a specific class, customer, create a memo line and more. Okay. So let's, uh, let me show you how this works in the online version, because the online version from a demo functionality gives me a little bit more to work with than the desktop version. Okay, before I do though, I did get a question that popped up here uh, and Susie writes in, is this where you would set it up to pull from Jobber? And Susie, I'm not familiar with that tool. Okay, and if I'm assuming I'm looking at just a quick search here, service scheduling app, is that what we're looking at here? Uh, let me know if that is the case, I'll send you the link, okay. Uh, and no, that would not be where you would pull this down. Uh, Jobber, uh, I'm not familiar with this particular tool, um, but you know, I'm pretty familiar with, for example, job scheduling and, and uh, you know, construction and stuff like this. Uh, this is, looks to be like a servicing uh, application. And I'm not sure what it does for you. Does it handle, for example, uh, your, your payroll? You know, and if so, what would probably end up happening is that it would be a QuickBooks app in QuickBooks Online, it would pull down a journal entry to go into your QuickBooks uh, solution. Uh, that's what I would guess. I don't think it would be set up as a bank feed because the bank feed um, would only pull down financial transactions. Okay, this tool invoices people and collects from them. Okay, so Susie, with respect to that, with uh, Jobber, um, it wouldn't be a bank feed. At least I'm not, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be a bank feed because the bank feeds only really work from, uh, again, the financial institutions, American Express, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, stuff like that. We can double check that here, here in a moment, but uh, unless it's a bank, it's not really gonna pop up inside of, uh, inside of um, the bank feed section. Now, just looking here. Okay, and I'm doing this on the fly, so give me a second. Okay, I just did a quick search and I'm assuming you're using QVO. If you're not, let me know. Looks like they've got a link here. Okay, and it looks like that uh, there are some items that would sync between QuickBooks and, and, and Jobber. And it gives you a listing of what those particular things would be. Now, uh, I've worked with other tools like this, a tool that I use quite often, and it's not for job uh, and invoicing, but it's a tool I use. And I'll talk about it a little bit later on. It's called CorePay One. Uh, which is a fabulous AP solution. If anybody here needs to, for example, handle or deal with accounts payable inside of their business, uh, you know, check writing, ACH, e-check, stuff like this, this tool is the bee's knees. It's fantastic. And uh, it's integrated with QuickBooks Online, but it's not a bank feed in the sense that it's pushing and pulling data from QuickBooks uh, to and from its solution, but it's not a bank feed. It's not going to show up in my accounting uh, section. It looks jobber is pretty similar to this. And so looking through here, it's going to sync your clients, it's going to sync your products and services, your invoices, uh, but your, your payables would still pop up from your actual financial institution. So Wells Fargo, Bank of America. And uh, in this particular tool, if you set up a customer, it's going to go set the customer up in QuickBooks for you. And it's going to keep those invoices in sync uh, so that your accounting system and sales system essentially have that same data. And when you create it, it looks like, and again, I'm, I'm doing this on the fly here. When I create an invoice inside of Jobber, it's going to then create that appropriate invoice inside of uh, QBO. 
uh, but it's not going to pull down the, the payables. Uh, the payables would come in, let's say you're working with Wells Fargo. Once you download those transactions from Wells Fargo, the invoice would have been automatically created in Jobber. So it will then match inside of that bank feed. And you would see that invoice as being an option to pair that transaction against and to mark that invoice as being paid. And it would match the money up appropriately. But uh, I think that's what this ends up doing here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's for uh, uh, payables. I'm just saying, you know, it, it works off the same principle. It's creating the invoice. So when I create an invoice here in Jobber and I come over here to QuickBooks Online, I would see the appropriate invoices collected or created here. So that's uh, that looks to be what this application does, but is not a bank feed. So please let me know if that answers your question. If you got some further on that, I'm more than happy to... Uh, to explore that with you, but it looks like a cool tool. Um, I'll definitely check this out at the future. All right, so in QBO, um, I mean, this is like bank feeds are like a, a marquee feature of QBO. And this is a big reason why a lot of people choose this particular application. And in my opinion, you know, whether you're with QuickBooks or with Xero or with Zoho Finance or, or really kind of any of these cloud-based solutions, the fact that they're online and always connected to the internet is a major distinguishing factor uh, between their desktop counterparts. You can do some really kind of uh, useful stuff with them. And uh, with respect to QBO, it's no different. So inside QBO and in our business overview on the right-hand side here, you'll see your bank accounts listed. And uh, let me just zoom in here. You'll see for any one of these accounts, it'll tell you uh, how frequently and when it last connected to the financial institution and pull it down. And I'm not going to say every day, but it will download perpetually. Um, even if you access the file or not, it's perpetually downloading these transactions for you. Uh, I've got one client that uh, I've worked with over the years, and they do all of their accounting usually a couple of times a year. It's a really small business. And they ran into this instance with the desktop application because they access their accounting so infrequently that... Um, their bank wouldn't always have the transactions. Uh, the bank, I think, only supported 90 days, you know? So you had 90 days to download the transaction and then it would just not be available for download. And that's pretty common, actually, in a lot of these financial institutions is that they don't allow you to download years worth of transactions at any given time. And so they would often kind of get uh, um, screwed up in the sense that, like, by the time they would access their file, you know, the transactions they needed were no longer available for download. Okay, QBO though, it's always connected. It's always downloading. Might not ever be every day, but it's gonna be at least a couple of times a week. And it'll tell you here, hey, updated moments ago, okay? Now, uh, the process of setting up an account to use a bank feed is exactly the same as desktop. Go, you first will come up to the little gear icon, select lists, and you're gonna go ahead and choose here, all lists, and then chart of accounts, okay? And I really don't like these messages, mostly just because it's a, an extra thing to click, but, you click in and this is where you're gonna see your chart of accounts and exact same principle. You set up the account and then you connect the account to whatever financial institution you would need it to be. So we're gonna come on over here to banking and we're gonna go ahead and select banking. And up top here, we're gonna see a listing of our different accounts that we've specified that are eligible for online banking. And so we've got a checking account, savings account, MasterCard account, okay? And we can just switch between these different accounts. And every so often, again, it just pulls down these transactions. You'll have this little update button. And from that little update button, if you click that little guy, it's just gonna manually allow you to connect to the account and download those transactions. Now, I wanna be very clear with respect to all online banking and all accounting solutions, this will only ever pull down posted transactions. So if you have a pending transaction, you know, you, you happen to go to a restaurant, you swipe your credit card, um, you're not gonna see that transactions until it's posted, usually a day later. So updating more than once a day, usually not really that required because it's gonna pull down everything it possibly can, but it's not gonna pull down transactions that are still in flux. Okay. Now, we'll come over here to our transactions here in a minute, but let's take a look at this link account. So the link account is gonna give you your ability to actually link a existing account to something. And in today's environment, I'm gonna say 95% of all banks, credit unions, savings and loans are going to support this type of functionality and uh, the ability to be able to support uh, banks. This is not a QuickBooks specific thing. Uh, bank feeds work through a variety of different applications. 
Um, and if your bank supports it for one, it's going to support it for all different accounting solutions here. And if they don't support it, they don't support it. All your major banks are going to be listed here. As you can see, Citibank, Bank of America, Capital One, Wells Fargo, so on and so forth. Uh, you could have credit unions. So I got First City Credit Union. That's uh, I have a, a loan with them for my truck. I can pull down the bank payments directly from here, which is nice. Uh, you can even see stuff like, you know, um, could have sworn State Farm was an option. I've got a bank account with State Farm too. Uh, there's somewhere in here, State Farm. I, I'm not going to go search it for it, but I know they're in here. I've got it in. Uh, I've got financial accounts. Like, for example, I've got LPL as being one of my accounts listed here. It's one of these. And you can either search by the um, the name of the bank or you could search for by the URL that you log in by. And so, like, with LPL, I know there's, like, 20 different ways of logging in. You could just specify the URL and it'll try to match up that way. Uh, you can also connect to non-traditional stuff. So like PayPal, you can see here, you can connect to it that way. Uh, you can also connect directly to like American Express. And often, especially let's take Amex as an example here. Again, you can have several different login methods. It's important to know what type of financial institution and product you're using. So you got corporate or personal credit card. You've got their business credit cards. You've got Bluebird. You've got American Express Work. Uh, chairman Amex cards, I mean, UK, European Union. I mean, it's important to know, you know, which one you're actually using. Let's just say it's Citibank. Okay, I can't actually go any further because it's a trial or, you know, just a sample file. But the next screen is going to ask you to plop in your credentials. Now, it's important to note with QuickBooks Online, um, it doesn't actually store your credentials to these financial institutions. It's not like there's some database file with everybody's online banking information in here. Uh, it, it will actually, you'll log in with the financial institution or some sort of secured third party, um, that will uh, verify that you are the correct person. And then what it does is it stores what we call a token on the user's record. And that token represents you to the bank, but it doesn't actually store your username and password. This is a small nuance, but it's important to know that, you know, this is a very secure way of being able to transact this and you could revoke trust at any, at any time. Okay, so let's say you've mapped in your online banking here and what it's gonna do then again, it's gonna go and download those transactions for you and it's gonna do it perpetually. Now down here inside of QBO, um, we're gonna see the actual transactions themselves and there's three different types. You've got for review, categorize and excluded. Now the for review, these are transactions that you have not posted to your um, accounting system. And what I mean by this is, is that these are, these are transactions that can be posted to the accounting system, but they have not yet been posted to the accounting system. So they're in a holding pattern. And this is where you start to see the difference between a bank balance and the QuickBooks balance. Okay. Uh, ideally you want to try to keep these two things as close together as possible. Uh, but we can see here in QuickBooks, I've got 1201. My bank balance is severely overdrawn here. Uh, and it's most likely because I've got deposits in transit that have not been posted yet to the bank. Okay. Likewise, I can also write checks uh, and I can physically write a check or I can manually swipe my credit card. QuickBooks doesn't know about that until that transaction is ultimately picked up. Okay. So the review stuff is stuff that you haven't, that you have not added to your system yet. Categorized is going to be the stuff that actually is in the accounting system. So these are transactions that have posted that you have added to the accounting system. I'll show you that here in a, in a moment. Excluded is this third category. And very rarely you might have the need to basically say for this particular transaction, I don't want it in here and to exclude this particular transaction. The only time I have personally ever done this is in two occurrences. One, when I've dealt with something through a journal entry, a summary journal entry of some sort. Uh, occasionally, I'll just write a journal entry that might summarize six months worth of transactions. That's usually when I'm getting started with a new file, you know, and I, I might just exclude those transactions and just write a summary journal entry. Okay. More often than not, though, very rarely you'll see transactions sometimes get doubled up and it will be a mistake of the bank feed the transaction will not be doubled up in the bank, but occasionally, and this is usually when you've disconnected an account and then you've brought it back in, you will see some transactions sometimes get doubled up. And so you can exclude it, which basically just doesn't post it to your accounting solution. But nine times out of 10, 
uh, it's a normal transaction and I can, I mean, less than God, I mean, I'm talking maybe dozens of times I've used this over the years, not, not much. Okay. So once you're in these bank feeds, this is where you're going to be able to see these transactions, these headers, uh, both for, um, QuickBooks online, as well as desktop, you can sort different ways. You can sort by payee, you can sort by, you know, let me see all my receivables and then go to all my, uh, my payables. You can sort by date, whatever, whatever works. Now, ideally with both QuickBooks desktop and online, you are matching transactions that have already occurred. Okay. So, uh, Yanera wrote in like, Hey, you know, how do I match up my checks? Well, ideally you will have written your checks out of QuickBooks, you know, so you would have gone up here to new, and then you will have written that check out of here, which then will record that particular check. Now in the bank feed, when that transaction gets pulled down, when that transaction gets pulled down, um, it's going to include certain information with this. Uh, so it'll typically have what we call a bank detail line, which is the, like, if you were to go to your bank statement, it'll typically have like, you know, the bank feed information. Uh, if it's a check though, it's just going to give you the check number. And if it's check 3255 and you have 3255 in your accounting system, it knows to match that check up automatically. Um, if you didn't record that check inside of QuickBooks though, you know, and it is something that has not occurred inside of QuickBooks, then that's where you're going to have to manually go ahead and specify that transaction. You know, so here's a transaction from Hicks Hardware. Uh, let's just say this was a check. Okay, it's not going to say um, the payee. It'll usually just say unknown, or it'll say something like check 3522. And if you don't have that check recorded, this is going to be where you're going to have to go to your online banking pull up a copy of that check, look at that check, and then properly categorize it and put it with the correct vendor, the correct category. And then it'll go into the accounting system like it was written out of QuickBooks. But uh, if it doesn't have that transaction to match against, you're going to have to manually put that in there. Uh, so that can be kind of cumbersome, but you know, like uh, I don't write that many physical checks anymore. I tend to use, like if I do need to pay, again, I use that system core pay here to send e-checks out and this automatically syncs those payments to QuickBooks, and I can see those checks and those equivalent payments inside of uh, uh, QuickBooks automatically. So um, that's my preference. And same thing with your online banking. Um, I have a couple of online banking transactions that I that I utilize, uh, where I do pay the check directly out of the uh, out of the bank. Um, they don't actually pop up as checks. They pop up as ACH payments. They pop up and they look very similar to something like this, where it'll say bank line being like the name of the payee of whomever I was working with. Okay. But that's, it. that's roughly what it should be. Now, hopefully it's something where it just matches up directly. And ideally it should say one match found, it should match that transaction. And then it should be as simple as just clicking match. And it adds that transaction directly to the accounting system. Uh, and if it's an electronic payment, you know, it should just match up and you're done. You know, sometimes like, for example, for checks that are written out for the same amount, you know, like here, I've got two transactions, two matches found, uh, this is going to be where we're going to need to actually look at the bank detail and then we can properly match it to the correct bill or the correct check. Okay. Please let me know if that answers your question on how those transactions get in. All right. So two more things that are a little bit different with respect to bank feeds. Uh, one more thing, actually, I'm going to show you two things, but one thing that makes uh, QuickBooks online a superior product with respect to bank feeds is the AI that's built into the actual application itself and the uh, big data that's built into the application. You gotta remember with QuickBooks Online, it's what we call a multi-tenant application, meaning there are millions of people around the world utilizing QuickBooks the same time you are, and they know all this data. And so when they see, for example, a transaction for Hicks Hardware, Books by Bessie and Client One, they probably, you know, know that that same transaction because so many people have categorized it to repairs and maintenance or to auto and expense. If it's like an Exxon charge or a, uh, you know, let's say it sees Verizon, you know, uh, it knows that goes to uh, communications and telephone. It sees those transactions occurring in other people. It starts to put together a pretty good profile and it'll actually start to guess for you. Um, for where some of these transactions are going. And it does a pretty good job. And as you start to use the application and you start pointing it to certain things, uh, it gets better and better over time uh, with respect to where those particular transactions uh, should go. 
Okay. And so if we came down here and we had a transaction for Amazon, okay, we would add this, let's say once. Okay. So we've created this vendor and we're going to go ahead and create this. Uh, let's say this is office expense. Okay. It's going to remember that I have essentially set this to office expense and it will try to match those transactions uh, using AI in the future, okay? Now, that's best effort. One of the other cool things that you can do with this are bank rules. And this goes hand in hand with respect to the bank feeds. Bank rules allow us to specify more rigid um, matching principles with respect to transactions. And when it sees a transaction meet the specification of those rules, it will attempt to categorize that transaction automatically for us. Uh, and what's kind of cool with these rules is that, uh, again, most of us are creatures of habit, myself certainly included. We tend to go to the same places, you know, the same restaurants, the same stores over and over again. And so instead of having to, for example, categorize every transaction for Amazon or every transaction for Shell uh, oil, you know, to being uh, fuel and auto and, you know, office supplies, I can basically set up a rule that will match specific characteristics of the transaction and then just take care of them for us. So let's go ahead and take a look at how that might function. Okay. And let me just reset my view here for my bank feeds. Okay. And so I've got an example here and uh, we've got two transactions here that are for a rental. Okay. Now, in this particular case, um, we can come into this particular transaction and we can categorize it once. And it, it'll do a decent job in trying to remember that particular transaction going forward and try to apply the same principle. Now, alternatively, if it's going to be something that we know how we want it to be categorized and we want it to do it every single time the exact same way, this is going to be where we could use the bank rule. And this functionality here is the same as if you were in the bank rules section of desktop, it's going to be this option here, these bank rules. And with respect to these different rules, you can, you know, kind of give it some characteristics. So when the transaction looks like this, when the description contains this, uh, you know, or when, you know, the amount is this, when the date is this, then you can do certain things. Like for example, in desktop, you're quite limited. You can rename the transaction. You can also put it to the following account. And that's a, that's about it. With uh, online though, you can be a little bit more granular. So I can say, for example, here, create rule on this particular transaction. And it's gonna pop up this little panel here. And in this little panel, this is gonna be where I can start to specify some of the conditions of this rule. Uh, so in this case, we're gonna call this one um, equipment rental. Okay. And we can then start to specify the rules of how this transaction should apply. So is it, and I, I personally don't like how they say this. I personally would prefer if it's a debit or credit, but again, you got to remember QuickBooks isn't, uh, aren't the intended audiences isn't CPAs. The intended audience is just your standard, you know, kind of small business owner. So is it for money going in or money coming out of the system? Okay. We could specify what accounts this particular uh, transaction should apply to. So our checking savings or, or our credit card account. Okay, and then we could say what conditions, and it could either be any of the conditions. So if there are multiple conditions, we can say if any one of these conditions match, do this. Or if it has to be this and this. Uh, often, for example, you might have the same transaction. You might often be doing multiple transactions with the same vendor, and uh, you might have some transactions going to some accounts and some transactions going to other accounts. Well, this is going to be where you can kind of give you a little bit granular. And if you have, you know, kind of multiple conditions here, you can specify them looking at the description of the transaction, the text that it gets downloaded from the bank or the amount uh, of that particular transaction, you know? And so if it's something like rent, uh, which is always the same amount, you could specify the amount and it can match off of that. In this particular instance, uh, what I would do when I'm setting up my bank rules is I would want to look and I want to see how this transaction set up. Um, you know, in practice, what I've done, let's say for like Netflix, you know, the bank feed uh, detail would usually say something like uh, Netflix inside of it. And it would be for a particular amount. I wouldn't necessarily need to match off both the amount and the name. I can just look at the name and put Netflix to the correct account. 
Uh, but something like Amazon, you know, I actually do a ton of work with Amazon Web Services and a ton of work with Amazon. The transactions look very, very similar. So I've got some transactions matching on bank detail and some transactions matching up bank detail and the amount. Okay. What you're going to want to do here is you're going to want to look at this transaction and then try to think to yourself, like, what is standard here and what's going to be repeatedly done and used in future transactions. In this case, it's going to be something like the bank detail. And it's going to have like, in this case, the name of the company, and that's going to be what I'm going to want to match on. So again, we'll give this a name. Okay. For money out. And then we're going to go ahead and say when the description contains the words, a rental, and we could add another one here where we could say, you know, the, the amount equals, let's say we were matching on stuff that was $9, you know? Okay. Now this is a relatively new feature they've added is this test rule. And what's cool with this test rule is it gives you the ability to test this and it will tell you, Hey, by the way, you've got two transactions that are currently matching. And so if you, you, for example, were to write a rule that is too narrow in scope, um, you could use this uh, to test to make sure it's actually going to do what you want it to do. Okay. Now the next bit of down here is then like, okay, so great. I found these transactions. What do you want me to do with them? So we can assign the transaction type. So we can always say their expenses uh, over here. We can do categories. We can also do splits. So if we need to apply to multiple categories or multiple GL accounts, we can do so. And so for this, we're going to go ahead and put these into our equipment rental expense account. Okay, even though it says A1, it's actually Ellis Equipment Rental is the name of the client. So we can go ahead and automatically specify the payee. If we were billing these to a particular customer, we could go ahead and specify that. Likewise, we could also specify a tag, which is a separate way of creating um, and tracking transactions uh, that don't impact the general ledger or classes. I'll talk about tags a little bit later on. Okay, and there's another option here. We can replace the bank memo. Um, Okay. Now the last option that you need to know about here is this automatically confirm transactions and then auto add. Now what this option does down here is that it will automatically post this transaction to the accounting system. Personally, I don't ever use this option. I always get super nervous just when things happen in the accounting system without me at least acknowledging this. Obviously make your own decisions here. I personally turn this option off. And what this does is it will automatically apply all the rules we specified here, but it won't uh, post that transaction. So at the very minimum, I'm gonna at least see this going into the accounting system. And what's great about this, essentially you're doing a perpetual bank reconciliation in a way. I mean, if you think about it, you're creating these transactions uh, and you're posting them to the accounting system, but you're also reviewing those transactions in relative real time. And uh, without actually having to do all the manual entry, it's essentially downloading them, it's categorizing them. And at the very minimum, you can at least acknowledge that this is a correct transaction before you add it. But if you have it automatically go into the accounting system, you know, something can go haywire, you're not going to really know about it. And it could also cause other, not necessarily issues, but I think it's just an oversight and, and a reasonable internal control that you should consider uh, keeping in place. Now, it'll show you over here under your category or match, like whether or not it got matched. And when it applies, for example, over here to a bank rule, it'll say bank rule, okay? And it also gives you the ability, by the way, if you don't automatically add these transactions, if you needed to override something, you can easily do so without having to go back and reverse it. Okay, when we're done, we go ahead and click this add, it adds it to the system. If it's a transaction that has already been matched in, uh, we can go ahead and select match and it will add it to the system as well. Um, but, I like to think of these as a perpetual bank reconciliation. I think it's a wonderful way to keep an eye on your transactions. For me, I know almost to the penny, you know, at any given time, you know, my financial positions, because, you know, I'm doing these bank reconciliations, these bank fee transactions uh, pretty regularly. For myself, personally, I go in about once a week. For my business, maybe about every couple of days, you know, to look at my cash flow position uh, and more. Okay, so that's a little bit about with uh, bank feeds and something I would definitely tell you to leverage this is one of the absolute best features inside of uh, these modern accounting solutions. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com.
If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.